good evening and welcome to another hour of scotch hour this is episode 96 i am noah and i'm jesse all right so we do have a i think a pretty decent lineup here for you uh this evening scotch will be glenn Ga- uh, glasso 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 glenn glasso glenn glasso uh revival and our smart challenge is the uh, movie, movie review of Glass Onion. But before we get to that, we will have our restaurant review of Bono's Barbecue. Is that what it is, Bono's? I think they call Bono's Pit Barbecue. But Okay, Bono's Pit Barbecue. I'm just screwing all up on this yeah, intro this evening. I honestly don't know. It could just be Bono's Barbecue Pit. <laughs> <laughs> And then we also have our uh, get it togethers and shout outs. So I'll just give myself an early get it together with this intro. Scotch review. Well, this week's scotch, the Glen Glassow Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Revival. Uh, the Highland Distillery, first established in 1875, definitely had some dark times uh, along with some hopefully brilliant times. Uh, they've actually won many an award, uh, prestigious awards for some of the 30 and 40 year scotches after they were mothballed and reopened. <laughs> so they were celebrating scotches that the previous owners <laughs> had created. Uh, but it is on the Moray Firth Coast at Sand End Bay, which is just outside of Speyside. So you remember, uh, you can be a Speyside Scotch, which means you're absolutely a Highland Scotch, but just because you're a Highland Scotch does not mean you are a Speyside Scotch. And this one just out of Speyside is not a say spot side scotch uh, as i mentioned it was mothballed for 20 years so from 1988 um, until 2008 they did not produce any scotch and with that in 2008 after the new owners refurbished everything inside they decided to begin reproduction um, and this is a version of their first scotches uh, they don't have any ages yet as they just really started producing them uh, first releasing them in 2013 um, so there's not a 10 year 20 year 30 year variant as of yet it is 46 percent abv uh, Nice green box, some gold lettering, um, and uh, one of those short and stout bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just found a goal for Scotch Hour here is to find a mothballed uh, distillery and uh, bring, it, bring it back to life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> life goals. <laughs> life goals, hashtag. Um, when they first opened this distillery, as we have found true with a lot of the old distilleries, um, the site was chosen by James Moore, and he chose this particular site because of the access to a pure water supply, the Glen, uh, the Glassow Springs. Um, again, this uh, they started this in 1875, later sold it to the Highland Distilleries in 1892, who owned it um, for most of its life until some repurchasing went on and the Ben React Distillery at one point owned it until the Ben React Distillery itself was bought um, by the Brown Foreman Corporation and they now still own it. Interesting. Um, I honestly didn't do uh, any historical research on this here, so uh, this is great news. Uh, thank you for putting that together for us. All right. Well, you ready to pop this bad boy open? Yeah, I am. All right. Let's take a look. I do like the coloring on it. The coloring is pretty good. The coloring of the scotch, if that's true, could be pretty good. Um, it is non-chilled filtered and no color added. So 46% ABV could be quite the treat. Nice foil top. I actually kind of dig the bottle. I like the label. Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's when I was talking about the coloring, I, I, I should have been a little bit more precise. But yeah, I do like the uh, the labeling. 
the color of the wavelength with the, the color of the scotch. And I think it matches all pretty well. Yeah, we, we do have to mention this is going to be a tough one for us. And we're not sure if uh, Glenn Glassow is going to have, you know, quite the fair shake. You got to consider some of the scotches we've tried in the last six <laughs> weeks. Um, hopefully this can hold its own. Uh, nice, solid wood topper. Real cork. It's pretty legit. It looks it. It sounds legit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I like the they like the big open mouth to this bottle. It's like I'm not Schwarzenegger. Some of that glugging there kind of reminds me of like those old like uh, classic Coke commercials. <laughs> what <laughs> um yeah the ones with all the supermodels yeah Can you imagine what would happen if they had a, a diet coke a coca-cola a diet pepsi or a pepsi commercial with one of those supermodels nowadays everything would go wrong for the company probably <laughs> <laughs> you are judging people by their bodies well maybe <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> cheers and on to our uh, warp speed. Warp speed. Cheers. Uh, for a lump of coal, this is pretty good. I remember like a <laughs> couple weeks back here for our Christmas episode, you had brought uh, this as an option versus the uh, the uh, the McAllen cocoa one. Uh, and, uh, I guess that's actually the harmony collection, uh, with the emphasis on cocoa. But, uh, in any case, uh, we were joking around saying this is our lump of coal, uh, <laughs> scotch here. And, uh, and if this is the lump of coal, I'm enjoying it. Maybe it's, maybe it's good to be bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you, I, uh, we both know at times it can be good. <laughs> Sometimes it does feel good to be bad. And uh, if, 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 if it results in this lump of coal here, known as a Glen Glasso, Glasso uh, revival, I'm good with it. I'm like, I'll, I'll be bad. <laughs> this is actually a good find. It's a nice surprise. I believe you said it's uh, like under $40. I believe it was yeah. I I think it was thirty nine. Like uh, maybe okay. I, maybe I maybe right around double. the forty. <laughs> maybe I need to go double check my receipt. Man, this is a good eighty dollar bottle of scotch. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, if we would have like if this would have came up uh, for our Christmas special, I would have been pretty or a Christmas episode. I would have been happy about it as well. It is. Uh, Really surprisingly good. So when we first look at it, I do like the color here. I just put it as a medium, uh, medium brass or a light brass color. So light brass, uh, the medium brass color right there. Um, I do like the coloring with it. And you know, when it comes to a company who's first hitting the market or relatively new to the market, right around fifty bucks at total. Okay, forty nine. Okay. Um, usually the quality usually comes out first and then at, over time it goes down a little bit, um, from what I discovered, hopefully this will never go down, uh, <laughs> right. <in quality. laughs> uh but for that 59, uh, for that $49 mark of $50 right there, this is a good find really is. Um, I would highly like, I haven't even gone into my, like a whole segment of like what I got out of it, but I'm already telling people to buy it right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how surprisingly good this one is. First, let us go buy our bottles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So probably you guys were wondering like why I'm like uh, jumping right in and saying go buy this bottle right now. But um, for me personally, um, when I do smell, um, I'll use the, uh, the wine terminology here, the bouquet of this particular scotch. Um, what comes to me right away is like uh, some sherry, like the sherry. Uh, from the casks I'm, I'm picking up along with some caramel and honey with ripe plum and cherries and barley. Um, and it's kind of weird because it has like this really nice, sweet undertone to it when you smell it. And then um, 
and then you get like a, a for me on the tail end of, of of it, I get that hint of barley right there, which I mean, after trying so many scotches, like if you don't like the smell of barley or the taste of barley, it's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after like ninety six of these, uh, we probably should like barley at this point. <laughs> uh, now, as far as the uh, the taste goes, when it first hits my palate, I get creaminess. It just like it just wraps your mouth in cream, and with that creaminess from there, I get this nice uh, light sweetness. It's not like a overly sweet, uh, but it's just a nice harmonious sweetness uh, to the to the palate, and it's and it has a blend of like plums with cherries and um, uh, honey. Uh, so it has like all those nice flavors, but there's other, uh, there's other like flavors in there too, but like near my back, uh, mid to back palate, that's when the chocolate starts to come in mm-hmm. with some almond and some mild spice. So with my finish, uh, it really starts picking up, the finish really starts picking up with, uh, with the chocolate and then the almond and then the mild spice and then it creates a nice medium finish. It's not a super long finish for me. But really what I do enjoy about it is that it's a light-bodied, very creamy with a nice harmonious sweetness to it that is uh, not overpowering for the sweetness, but yet um, it's light enough for you to enjoy it um, with multiple uh, sips. The first thing I, you know, in, in that little bit of noted research was that Ben Riak for a little while owned the distillery and I get some of those same great qualities and traits in this that I get in there. So you got the honey. Yeah. You can't deny it's there. Whether you find it one place or another, you are finding it along with the, the super creamy scotch. And then they always do a great job. Doesn't matter if it's the smoky 12 or the regular 12, the blueberry or the blackberry, you are getting hints of berries that are undeniable that will stick with you. um, Give you those fond reminders of some of those flavors you find across your palate. Um, to start off and the color is a great it's not super deep but it's a great medium copper color it definitely strays from the gold Um, but I wouldn't quite say it stays in the brass there's that hint of copper a little bit of red which may have something to do with the sherry we weren't I wasn't able to find anything about uh, the casks they were using to age this particular variety Um, but sherry could absolutely be one of those uh, casks that they're using ex-sherry casks Um, for me on the nose I agree with you Um, mine come in a little bit different order i get um the honey and then the caramel and um there's something nutty on the nose if you will the sherry um and then much like you said later in you on the nose there is that chocolate there's that cocoa um and then just a little hint of orange um and then um i can't say i smell much more but on the palate it pops and all of those flavors open up for me um there i'm getting the the sweet honey caramel and it's almost like uh, that spiced honey where it's got the cinnamon or the clove um the nutmeg in the honey and then the caramel and in there um, the way it pops is like a salty caramel to me it's almost like a hint of brine uh, dancing around with these flavors which is wonderful and then for the nuts those are walnuts (laughs) these nuts (laughs) um but what i love about this palette as it's um, rounding from the the caramel 
and the honey and those hints of spices and then a little orange um, right before I get the, the hint of walnut I get cherries and I love it when I taste a little bit of cherry in there um, and then again just like on the nose the cocoa comes through and then it finishes for me much like you said um, it's not a super heavy or super long finish but I enjoy it I'm digging the finish because it is medium um, and warming with some of those spices but then it also absolutely for me um, finishes with oak and caramel and sherry and uh, again much like an earthy wine it's leaving my mouth feeling you know wanting more and I kind of enjoy that I definitely enjoy it and you know I was so excited about it I even forgot to mention like yes I would take it to a uh, a poker game I would share it with friends um I think it's good enough to where you can uh, take it to like most gatherings. I'm not quite sure if I take it to a black tie affair just simply because usually with a black tie affair, you're probably going to go with something a little bit more elegant or something a little bit more flashy, but be a brand whore, bring a bigger name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't like, I also wouldn't be opposed to bringing it either. Um, Cause really I think, uh, it's a, it's a bottle to share with people, especially uh, new to scotches as well. Yeah, it is fun. It is something I would bring to really any of those events as well, because with the the palate and the nose and the finish, I think almost any scotch drinker, any whiskey drinker might find a little bit of joy in this it's a little sweet but not too sweet joy to the world <laughs> right. i know i was just thinking man, the, the scotch only thing, has come i think this box was missing for christmas was a red bow <laughs> <laughs> right it's already green and gold <laughs> so it's the flashing lights yeah flashing lights so definitely i agree with you as well this is uh something i would and especially for the price point if they're you know as we're seeing right now total wines offering it for 49 um yeah it's not gonna break the bank it's time for our shout outs uh, my shout outs are going to go to all of the people out there who are staying safe and being money conscious, not blowing all of your money um, and, and being thrifty when you need to knowing the economy might not be in great shape. You know, we've heard we're in a recession. We've heard we're not we're in a recession. The definition of recession was changed. And then we're being told by all sorts of organizations, a third of the world is already in recession, uh, more to come. Um, so really just be smart with your money, um, protect yourself and take care of yourself. My shout out is going to be a little bit personal this time. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a shout out to my uncle. Uh, uh, my uncle Kenny, he, uh, I don't know, he's been around since I've been a little kid. He used to uh, babysit me and stuff growing up. He lived with my parents for a while and would watch over me and my younger brother. It just got news that he uh, uh, was submitted into hospice care today. So um, his uh, cancer treatments weren't going very well. So. He opted for hospice, and uh, so I just want to give a shout out for all the good things that he did do for me, and uh, all the all the joy and brightness he brought to you, not only my life but other people's lives as well. So I just want to give him a shout out. Well, this week I am going to pull a trick out of uh, Noah's hat and not have a get it together, but I'm going to give another shout out. And this is going to be an interesting one because I did not expect this to be a shout out I would ever give. But I'm going to give a shout out to James Cameron and everyone who ultimately produced Avatar 2 uh, because for me, I, it was possibly because of going in not expecting it done, it was kind of a home run. It was well done. It was good entertainment. At no point was I bored, enjoyed the graphics, enjoyed the storyline, little predictable. I think no one I who uh, saw it together with my kids both knew at the beginning of the movie, ah, oh, one of these kids is going to die. We were both betting on different kids, but <laughs> oh yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> 
Uh, but for me, it was a great movie. It wasn't too heavy. It wasn't too political. Um, but it was heavy enough in the right areas where I could see the point without being drowned in it. And I really enjoyed that as opposed to some of these whitewashed movies that are um, so uh, woke or anything else that it may be. Um, let's just let everyone stay awake and enjoy the movies and not take things so far. Remember that uh, at least my kids are smart enough to uh, make their own decisions, figure out their own ways, and are very politically um, minded in the sense of they definitely have their version of right versus wrong. So uh, good job, James Cameron and the team who did Avatar. Although, man, I thought it was a little Titanic when the ocean vessel was turning and all I could think was, really, James? Really? <laughs> Another spoiler. 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 Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> oh, man. You're supposed to get the spoiler before you start jumping into everything. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, did, did you have any more you want to say? About <laughs> no, that's that? it. I just, I really did enjoy it. Um, I, anytime I can go to a movie with a friend and my kids and come out and, have everyone say that was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't any time a favorite movie, but I am glad I saw it. Yeah. I'm glad I went to go see it with you and your kids. Thank you for that invite. Um, I like you was, uh, I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. I went in with super low expectations, <laughs> uh, and I came out pleasantly pleased about it. All right. For my get it together, I actually do have one this week. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I have two get it together. It's my first get it together is, as I mentioned last week, um, that I was going to start making this year. Like I talked about, or kind of talked about this being a, a year of healthy choices for me. So I started off the year trying to do a healthy choice here, nice. and I uh, was working out and uh, was doing some jump rope, and uh, my calf muscle decided to cramp <laughs> up on me, probably because I didn't like. Uh, I didn't do any stretching beforehand like I probably should have. Been a little bit rusty because I've been to the gym in a long time. And so I'm just, Claude <laughs> Van Dip shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get myself and get it together for uh, not properly uh, stretching and doing the things I probably should have done before just jumping into an exercise and cramping up my leg and having a hard time walking now. The other one, which is more of a serious one, and I was really trying to, I was really debating about whether or not I wanted to go talk politics or not. But really, I do think this one uh, sets a really bad president, precedence for things that could happen in the future. And this has to deal with the uh, new California law that just went into effect today where doctors cannot talk about uh, any, um, uh, any concerns that they may have about the COVID mRNA vaccine without them losing their li their license to practice. I think uh, the uh, by by politicians creating this law, this can uh, create uh, future dangers uh, for the human population down the line, um, especially if there's something that does come out where doctors should kind of ex ex express their concerns to their patients about what could or could not happen or what kind of adverse effect, uh, uh, adverse reactions could happen from a vaccine or any kind of treatment for that matter. So I really would say that for the state of California to get their act together uh, as far as like allowing the doctors to uh, practice the way they need to practice and help out their, client, uh, their patients the way they need to be helped. Bono's Pit Barbecue originated in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> uh, we went to their establishment here in Centennial, Colorado, right by Dry Creek and I-25. Uh, man, it's a, it's a little place that's very easy to miss. Is our friend in the diamond business near there? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I think the friend sold his place. And <laughs> uh, if you uh, live in the Denver metropolitan area and know about Shane, Shane Company and uh, or in Utah, you kind of know those those commercials. 
Um, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. I like. I literally though. I think the Shane Company sold out. <laughs> Possibly. I, I don't mean, think they exist anymore. At least not in their old location. Somebody else bought it. Was there one over there? Uh, it's on Arapahoe, closer to Clinton. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's where it was. I was Which is joking. only a couple blocks away, really. Just yeah, curve up Clinton. <laughs> One more I, block. I was, I was joking a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, super close. Uh, Bono's uh, actually, it, I don't think it's really located in the best location. <laughs> um, no, I almost passed it and I knew where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> Hard break. <laughs> and I think if it's like right during like rush hour, like, there, like uh, you know, when people get off of work or whatever, if you're not going in the right direction on, is it County Line? Dry Creek. Dry Creek. Yeah, so if you're going the wrong direction on Dry Creek, you're not going to really make it in there, um, or at least not very easily. So their location could be a little bit better. Um, when you first arrive, the parking lot is a little bit small. And when you walk in, though, if you do like, you know, like the old, like, uh barbecue places like uh, that has like wood all over the place and stuff like that it uh it, it does meet that requirement there um i kind of like the way it looked inside I, I didn't really mind it at all uh but it was dead <laughs> it was definitely slow we are experiencing part of that weird weather stream that has uh, literally been flying as a water river in the atmosphere and falling across california and uh, now parts of colorado so there was some weird weather uh, but yeah we were one of three parties in there the inside it was pretty dead so it could be due to like maybe the holiday it could be probably you know maybe towards the bad weather or whatever so i'm gonna give that a little bit of a pass uh it did seem kind of like a, you know kind of a warm place in there the waitress was actually pretty uh was pretty good i'll give like she was like on the spot very friendly um didn't interrupt our meal i uh, did check up on us uh, at the right time so with her um i'm gonna give her like like an eight i think she's a solid eight I think she did a really good job. Uh, I know I'm kind of going out of order because I'm all over the place today, but that's fine. Um, for the meal, I did order the brisket sandwich um, with baked beans. And I was a little bit disappointed in my meal. <laughs> um, I, You know, maybe it's because I'm used to going to like Brothers Barbecue or some other places where you get chopped, bris where you can get chopped brisket as your sandwich. And uh, here it was just slices and not chopped brisket. Um, and they also did it like on Texas toast type of thing, uh, which actually, I don't know, I think I prefer more like a bun than a Texas toast. Uh, and it seemed like it came out a little bit smaller than what I had anticipated. Um, and the beans, I don't know, they're a little bit weird. <laughs> they're, they're baked beans almost seem like a cross between like traditional baked beans with refried refried beans it had more of like a refried bean type of like thing going on with it than it did like regular baked beans um but it did taste like the flavors were good uh the uh, barbecue sauce usually when you go to a barbecue place it's really it, it's just the barbecue sauce is just as important as the actual meat that's being smoked and um, I think I found out, and I probably always knew this, I'm probably more of a Kansas City-style uh, barbecue fan as opposed to, like, uh, like a mustard-based uh, Carolina-type style. I think they're mustard-based or maybe they're vinegar. Anyways, uh, this place, Bono's, they had more of a, their original was a mustard-based barbecue, and I'm not as big of a fan for that as, uh, for that as I am with, like, the more KC-style. Um, but overall, the food was decent, even though it wasn't quite what I expected, a little bit smaller than what I, than what I thought my portion was going to be. Um, so I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, even though I was a little bit like, I don't know. The, food's, the food tasted well, so that's why I'm giving it a seven. It came out fairly quickly, um, probably because it was slow, but I thought the timing of it was pretty well done. Um, and would I, would I take a first date there? Um, maybe if like, uh, if it's on the way to some place, I'm not going to go out of my way to go there, but if I may be going to a concert at Greenwood, uh, at, uh, Fiddler's Green, or I'm not even sure if it's called Fiddler's Green anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Green Fiddler. Um, 
Um, if I, but if, if, if it's on the way going to a place to meet, you know, I wouldn't mind stopping off there, but, uh, would I meet some friends there? Sure. I'd meet some friends there. Um, so overall I'm going to give it about like a 7.5. Um, cause I did, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, and maybe it's a little bit different when it's busier. Uh, but I, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt that we just went on a bad time with, uh, you know, bad weather and just on a holiday kind of like an end of a holiday weekend. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. So in this case, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt where usually I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Being generous this year, I guess, so far. So, All right. Well, Bono's Pit Barbecue to me. Uh, the outside, again, easy to miss. You can literally drive right by it. Uh, it's not that there is a lack of signage. It's just not nestled well in its pit if you will uh, but uh, once you get in it's pretty nice again the parking on the outside it's not dramatic it's not exciting um, but it's also not boring you get inside there it's got that more comfortable cozy atmosphere again nothing sexy but nothing reducing the experience um our hostess did as you mentioned who also was our server did a great job greeted us immediately got us to our seats took our orders they do not have a big beer selection so don't worry about having a difficult decision there it'll be very easy so their spirits are extremely limited um their barbecue um seemed pretty good when we sat down i was thinking i was going to have a brisket sandwich too but then i saw the nachos so i went with the barbecue nachos brisket on top uh, and i also got an order of their fried pickles uh, the fried pickles came out quickly not exactly what i was expecting i expected fried pickle discs i got fried pickle spheres <laughs> and they were not bad um but they were not what i was expecting uh for them i would say uh, right where they should be this is not a low-end restaurant this is not a high-end restaurant in that middle category their fried pickle spears were uh, i'm gonna say a seven uh, my nachos i actually did think were great uh chips were crispy good cheese and with their sweet and tangy barbecue sauce uh everything on those nachos uh, was delicious and i didn't want to finish but i couldn't not finish because down to the last chip they were still crispy and that is a sign of a win for me not too hard but still crispy for those chips delicious so we had onions on there jalapeno slices a little bit of the liquid cheese as well as shredded cheese the brisket the barbecue sauce it was uh, delicious that was an eight for me so on average, I'm going to be right where you are. The food was a seven and a half. Um, service was the win. It was easily an eight. And then for the atmosphere, for me, um, this is where it gets a little tricky. It was only a seven. It's exactly what I expected. But when I say it's only a seven, that's not bad. You got to remember again, five, five is where you start to get to the bad territory. Seven's pretty good. And would I take a date there, a first date? No. Because any place I go on a first date, I want to be able to walk to other places. This is something I know about me. And there you are trapped. You got in your car to get there. And unless you're going to a 7-Eleven, you are walking nowhere from there in a 10-minute period. Um, so not a first date. Uh, third, fourth date where you're not afraid to take a 30-minute walk to get somewhere else. Maybe because there is a Maggiano's not far around the corner. And if she turns out not to like the barbecue... Magianos is never disappointed. Uh, much better wine selection as well. Overall, for me, the restaurant also was a 7.5. Bono's Pit Barbecue got great history, 20-plus locations across America. I wasn't disappointed. The value was there. It was not an expensive meal. Uh, the value was there, so I would absolutely go there and meet a friend there if I'm just burning some time and chilling out and wanting barbecue. That being said, I don't know if I'm just getting older or if I just can't find good barbecue in Colorado anymore, but none of the barbecue I've had here is like anything I've had in Kansas City, Missouri, or in Texas, or in other areas. I used to feel like you could get great barbecue here. And the one place, the Wolf Barbecue off of Hampton that I used to love and trusted is gone. It's no more.
is the movie review of The Glass Onion. Actually, I say The Glass Onion because we're so used to saying The McCallan or The, but it is truly only Glass Onion. Two-word title, Glass Onion. Written, it's not The? No, it's just Glass Onion. <laughs> right? I could have sworn it was The Glass right? Onion. Almost everyone else puts that The in front of it. <laughs> this one is no. It's just Glass Onion. Written and directed by Rian Johnson, um, who also did... That is Ryan Johnson. Is it Ryan Johnson? R yeah, it is. I probably am just butchering that poor... Don't worry, I butchered, just, I butchered this. Dude, I, just, I, I immediately assumed he was European. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not. He might be. Uh, so Re Ryan Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I only know that because he did like such a bad job with the Last Jedi, and people were butchering him left and right for that. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, he still made a billion dollars on the thing. You can't do that bad and make a billion dollars. <laughs> He did that bad, don't worry. Uh, but with that, that was that whole like play. Yeah. Um, he also did Knives Out. So uh, Glass Onion 2022 American mystery film written directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, who also did Knives Out a few years previously in 2019. Well done. Um, some of the main actors of uh, the Glass Onion are Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Daniel Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista. Um, with that, you know, as we go through some of this, I want to say first stop. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, spoiler alerts the whole way through this episode. <laughs> If you haven't figured that out, we're going to tell you what a scotch tastes like before you drink it. <laughs> I just figured before we go any further with glass onion, we should probably tell you spoiler yeah, alerts. Spoiler alerts. Uh, you know, with this, well, if you had three iconic moments, don't even have to be your top three, but three iconic moments from the film, and they don't have to be in order. What are three of your most memorable moments of this movie? Okay, so number one. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably my this is the top one is when he spoils the murder mystery at the dinner table that is truly iconic it really is it really is go like, into it Let's so explain. ever norton his character miles he goes through and he like uh, hires like a professional writer or whatever to create this whole murder mystery dinner theater thing for him and his friends and um, Daniel Craig, I, what, I, what's his uh, character's name? Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Yeah, so Mr. Blanc uh, comes in. He wasn't invited to this weekend, um, and he's like a master detective. Uh, and it was just funny because, like, they sit down at the table, and nothing has started. It's just is at the very beginning, and the, uh, the whole murder mystery for the whole weekend, it was supposed to last the whole weekend, uh, is supposed to start after dinner. Or I guess at dinner, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Daniel Craig's character, Mister Blanc, uh, solves the whole murder mystery right there at dinner before anything even happened. It is so great because he also asks a couple questions like, "Oh, wait, wait has it begun?" <laughs> because Edward Norton is like, "Whoever figures it out is the winner." <laughs> oh, and that's the like, best part too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that goes along with it. Do I get like? Do I get a prize? What do, do we win? win? Yeah, what do I win? What do we win? How what do you like, want? <laughs> like, do you win like an iPad? Sure. If you want an iPad, you can have an iPad. <laughs> well, I don't want an iPad. <laughs> well, I don't want an iPad. <laughs> I just want to know what you win. <laughs> It's the right question. It, it is. is the right question. Um, yeah, that is absolutely one of my favorite moments, but there is a ton of them in this movie. Yeah. So my second favorite yes. is Dave Batista. Oh my goodness. When he's like coming out of the swimming pool yes. with that gun in his like <laughs> in his speedos and pulls it out and starts shooting his gun. I thought that was just I thought that was awesome. Like he just he does play like the dumb meathead so well. He, they all played their roles brilliantly. So you've got the dinner party murder mystery spoiler. You've got Dave Bautista, um, who plays Duke Cody, um, shooting off his gun. He's <laughs> like, he's like, are you going to carry that gun everywhere with you? <laughs> yes. 
And this one is not really a moment in the movie with really necessarily the actors, but it's something that I really did appreciate in the movie. And that was the painting of Edward Norton in the background of his, uh, of his character from fight club. I just thought that was like, for me, that was a, a memorable moment just seeing that, that, that picture up there because I love fight club. And honestly, um, Edward Norton for a while there was like one of my favorite actors. I loved a lot of the movies that he did when he was younger, uh, you know, with American history, uh, I think American history X, um, there is that, uh, he was in the Hulk, which Hulk. I thought his version of the Hulk was much better than the new. Oh one. yeah. Uh, but he was in a lot of great movies. Uh, and so it was kind of like a, a shame to see him like kind of like disappear for a while, uh, and then come back. And, uh, but yeah, that uh, kind of like a shout out to the fight club character. I thought was awesome. And that, so that's kind of like my third favorite part of the movie, I guess. All right. Well, one of my favorite parts is, and this is a piece that there are little strings that are pulled from the very beginning of the movie to the middle of the movie, to the end of the movie. And that is that Edward Norton's character. Um, so, Miles Braun wants to be forever remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa, the greatest and most famous painting on earth, the Mona Lisa. And at the end, in order to spoil his, his really trickery and treachery, um, Daniel Monet uses some of his, solid hydrogen fuel which is absolutely not stable to destroy not only the glass onion his home and the, the castle they're spending this time in and he lives in but the mona lisa and really it's brilliant because it is something that everyone else could forget that some island had some mansion blow up on it no one would forget that the mona lisa was in that house on loan because the Louvre was closed because of COVID, by the way. <laughs> that was uh, that was Andy, right? Her? Yes. Okay. And uh, it's just, again, it is, uh, yes, correct, Andy. Um, it is just brilliant the way at the end she gets to toy with him because she read her sister's journal and you read Helen's journal. And it's like... You will forever be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa, and it ultimately will uh, ruin his whole company. He's done. Yeah, he's done. That that was a good that was a good part there too because he, he is going to be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa, but not the way he wanted it. It's going to be as the person who destroyed it, right? But he got always be careful what you ask for. Another one of my favorite ones, and uh, part of this was because when I watched it with Aiden, he's like. Jared Leto, wasn't he the guy who played Morbius? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, he was. He's done some other roles too, by the way. But at one point, he's handing out Edward Norton, Miles Braun is handing out Jared Leto's hard kombucha left and right. <laughs> and, and Andy gets all drunk off of it. And he's drinking it, not realizing it's alcoholic. He's like... <laughs> Benoit Blanc. It's like, dude, this is 9% alcohol, lady. <laughs> How many of these have you had? She's like stumbling downstairs <laughs> and stuff. It's real. Um, but I just really loved the whole Jared Leto. Like the fact that they, th they had so many names and things in there that were thrown in there. That's Jared Leto's Hargy <laughs> Um was, was fantastic. Um, and then I think another one of my favorites, and there again, there are so many. Another one of my favorites is when Benoit Blanc goes out and he is a cigar smoker. So if that offends you, you may not like this, but I absolutely love that he's on this island and it's supposed <laughs> to be this tropical paradise. And in many ways it is. And he lights his cigar and all of a sudden the alarm goes off. Please do not pollute our air. And he's like, well, what the hell do I do? And he throws it in the water and all of a sudden another alarm goes off. Please do not pollute our water. <laughs> Which is funny because like the house guest, the random house guest is walking off throughout the, the, the place. He, he's sitting there smoking pot the whole time. Uh, but that, you know, there's no nicotine. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though. Like near the end, like when all the stuff's happening, him and the, him and the house guests are just sitting there both smoking. <laughs> and the alarm's going off again. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, anything that, you know, who are your two favorite characters? Okay. So this one's a little bit hard. Um, I wish his character probably would have been in it a little bit longer, but I get why his character was killed off. But Dave Batista, uh, Batista's character is probably like my favorite character in there. Um, <laughs> just simply because of like, he does such a great job playing like a muscle bound meathead. And it's, it's funny. Um, although his character is actually really kind of a bad person altogether, though, like having his girlfriend sleep with his buddy in order to get money for his business and stuff. So that part's not like necessarily like quality wise of a person of that character's person uh, is not great, but I think he did a great job and his character was kind of funny. He made me laugh. And really the other, the other character I really enjoy there's, uh, is going to be um, Edward Norton's character. I thought I th- his ambition was there. Um, he did. He he pursued the dream. He uh, when he got denied it, he found a way to try to still go forward with it. Uh, he had the success where his other friends actually jumped onto the coattails of him and Andy, really to be more accurate. But um, I thought he did. I thought his character was a great character. It had like you know some depth in there. Uh, some of his like wants or some of the things that he did was a little bit shallow. But overall, I, I thought his character was great. Which gives which gives me since she's only two, I can give a runner up here, yeah, and the runner up will be Andy, uh, that character. Um, because I think without Andy and how the. I guess technically it's not Andy. It's really the sister and how she goes through the development of like wanting to find the person who killed her sister, uh, reads the the diaries to try to uh, imitate or become her sister there for that weekend. And um, really just putting on a real, you know, kick-ass showcase because everyone believed it was really Andy and stuff like that. So I think her character needs to be talked about as well. Yeah. Um, for me, it's interesting because my favorite character is what I'm going to say is actually not the main character, but leading into it, even in Knives Out, everyone probably thinks it is. And Benoit Blanc is actually not the main character. He's actually a side character in all of this. He's sitting there not, not doing a whole lot. He is no more significant than anyone else in the sense of these other people were pulling the strings. They're doing the damage. They're doing the good. They're making the changes. And he's just along for the ride. No different than in Knives Out. Um, and it, it's absolutely fantastic uh, the way Daniel Craig plays his role well written by ryan johnson of course somebody else is writing these lines but was brilliant to me second for me i'm gonna agree with you right there for number two to be edward norton edward norton's character was great in the sense that he played it flawlessly because i actually believe edward norton is a very intelligent man, but he plays an idiot in many ways. Now, with that being said, are there any lines or quotes throughout the movie besides the one where he always wanted to be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa that really stand out to you? Um, that That's like really the number one. I don't know of any other uh, quote is in there that, that would... One of my other favorites is towards the beginning when he's dealing, uh, when when Wenoir is dealing with Andy, is he's like, we're going to have to be smart about this. Uh, Miles Braun is no idiot. And then after being on the island for a couple of days and he's solving the whole mystery, so to speak, before he walks out and they finish their own damage, he's like, Miles Braun is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> And he literally is contradicting himself, which is great, which is probably why it took him as long to figure it out as it did. Um, something else that's really interesting that, that comes out of this is um, there's the piece where he's talking and the victor and the villain will always reveal itself. Um and this is true uh, because a lot of what he talks about is literature and history, um, and the truth wants to be known. 
Uh, and it's no different than in the first Knives Out when he's like, this machine always comes to the truth, always gets the gets to the truth. You know what this really reminds me of, both Knives Out and Glass Onion? Uh, Agatha Christie's uh, Perot. 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 I mean, if we, if we really look at uh, Daniel Craig's character, uh, it's basically Perot. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a different version. It's uh, definitely more lighthearted. Yeah, it's a little bit more lighthearted, more a little bit modern. Like, because uh, like we just watched like a few months back, we watched Death on an Isle. We did uh, an episode on that. So good. And it was it was good. It was entertaining, but um, you can see like with Knives Out, and then even with this, it's almost like basically from the same pages, uh, just a little bit more modernized and uh, and a little bit more fun and quirky, I guess. Yeah, uh, more of an aerial view as opposed to the view of the detective. Yeah, but also though I think in like oh at least in the movie The Death of the Nile, I didn't you know Perot didn't really seem so much as like the main character. He seemed like a kind of like the side character observing just just as much as like um, Benoit Benoit's character. Yeah, I mean I could be I mean that was just my perception, but I, maybe you know maybe maybe I'm wrong there. No, I think you're I think you're on the uh, a fact. I think. That with, at least in Death of a Nile in particular, you get more of those points where Perot is sitting there talking about, thinking to himself, talking about to himself. And Benoit it does some of that as well, but it's just not as frequent as often. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It's just a different, a slightly different approach. Yeah. A little, little bit more PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's definitely, I think it's definitely influence. There's definitely influence there. Absolutely. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to, to get a sidetracked on no, that. No, no, I, I think it's it's a good point. It's not to be forgotten. We've talked about that too. Like what is out there that's actually new? And I, I do think that that's one of the great pieces with Knives Out and Glass Onion is that the the characters aren't necessarily new, but at least it comes to this point where, man, I want to go to one of these three day murder <laughs> mystery parties. Don't you? Exactly. Oh yeah. And so it brings out this new level of excitement for me, even as an adult, both of them do, by the way. Um, uh, but glass onion brings out this new level of excitement where it's like, man, let's stop pretending that, you know, Edward Norton's character, Miles, is good or bad. Who cares? He was going to throw this <laughs> badass party I want to be part of. And it's not about drinking or drugs or sex. It's about intelligence and using your mind and, and, um, and adventure. And, I, and, and for his group of friends, that probably would have taken the whole weekend. They would have never figured it out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Benoit Blanc's been there for six hours. He's like, out there in the garden, the magazine on the table. It's all around your neck. <laughs> Look at the trajectory. <laughs> that is so funny that I just broke it all down oh at the table. And everyone at the table is like, ooh, he's crazy. And then at the end, nope, that was it. <laughs> and then he takes him upstairs afterwards like, thanks for leave this up yeah throws him an ipad and then later <laughs> on he's like next time it'll be an ipad pro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also uh when uh the character andy starts tossing and breaking all like the expensive like statues and stuff that was kind of like that was like that was the first time where i think everyone saw that they could actually go out on their own and go against miles well, and that there was not an immediate effect. He, yes. he didn't control anything. He's watching all of this go on. He is hopeless. And, you know, I think it kind of shows, too, here in this other aspect of um, of things about we create our own cells or our own, like, dungeons, if you will. All these people were, yeah, they started off as friends, and they were – essentially all equals at the at the bar the glass onion um but then miles and andy had a very successful business and they screwed over andy so then all of a sudden miles 
became the basically the sugar daddy for all the friends, if you will. And at that point, it was no longer a true friendship. Uh, yeah, they were friends, but they became dependent upon him uh, and cared more about his money than him as a person. Because I think if they would have really cared about him as a person, as a friend, they probably would have been like, hey, I don't need your money or, you know, sure, I'll take your money, but you need to know, like, you're being an ass. I agree 100%, but I think that's also because they got to that point because he was using them. Exactly. Another one of my favorite little moments. I, I didn't quite get to that part, but yes, uh, that, was, that was the next. That's where I was going to go next. Another one of the most hilarious parts in my you know, of the the things I like laugh at when I'm just thinking, wow, these characters, because I don't think Kate Hudson's an idiot. I don't think she's an oh, idiot. No. But she plays... Uh, she plays a dumb idiot. Birdie J. She plays Birdie J. And when Birdie J's, uh, you know, assistant is like, please tell me you didn't think a sweatshop is where they make sweatpants. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> She did play like she did play a dumb blonde very well. It was great. It was great. I was almost kind of wondering too, like, was there like some kind of like relationship going on between her and her assistant? I don't uh, think so. That was played by uh, Peg, played by Jessica Henwick. I don't think so. Only because Jessica Henwick went up to uh, Miles Braun and was like, hey, this is the only thing I have on my resume. Don't screw me. So she wasn't so worried just about Birdie and J. And she's just as much as a user as the rest of them. Well, not Probably even more so, maybe. That, that's the thing. How tragic is it that in life, <laughs> the people we work with often are not about the other people. They're about, where, how do I get to the, my next bonus my next level my next x y or z and i sit there and i look at myself and i'm like i am always trying to positively impact the culture and miles brand not miles nor any of these characters were worried about the culture that was actually between them they were worried about the party they got to go to on his private islands once a year yeah it's it's uh it, it is something that really kind of like if you want to break down and think about like it does show the the how people use each other and name drop and stuff like that and really it kind of only when you start looking at it, like they all went their separate ways from there from like the time when they were all hanging out together doing their mastermind if you will because basically that's what it was it was a mastermind of them helping each other to grow and succeed but then after they at some point, they kind of went their own directions. Most of them all became dependent on the money from Miles, um, but they were no longer hanging hanging out together as a group anymore, except for this yearly event. And they used each other's names as name dropping rather than as true friends. Yeah. When you talk about to Cody, Dave Bautista. Uh, <laughs> Every time he'd say, I almost got pancaked, man. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh because I'm like, are you really that stupid? <laughs> not the not Dave Batista, but his character, Duke. And his girlfriend, Whiskey. I mean, come on. I had no problems with Whiskey. <laughs> She's just a woman trying to survive. <laughs> Dude, she was actually, I thought, really smart when she was talking with Andy and they're walking through the garden. She's like, hey, I just got to let you know, like, Duke, I, I may have to separate from him pretty soon because he's starting to go on this weird man boob thing. And <laughs> she's like, that's not so good for my image, but I am still trying to build my brand. <laughs> and she was like, honest. Yeah, she was. And I think she was honest. Like she was one of the few people who was honest with everyone there because she had nothing to gain or lose. Very true. And it does uh, like that. Her situation just reminded me of like uh, a quote that was once given to me from a fraternity uh, brother that was Probably older. should not ever be said on this show. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I was just telling you. Oh, that you reminded me. You only had the, the three hints. Boom. <laughs> Got it. All right. Uh, so we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. Ask your dad about that one. 
All right. Anything else you want to talk about this movie? No, I, th- I think it's great fun. I do also think it's interesting because I did get the opportunity and it was only out in theaters for a very, like, I honestly think it was less than a week um, because I went out when it was out in theaters on opening night um, and uh, I went with Marissa and I thought it was fantastic. And uh, on the big screen, it's no different than, I think, Avatar or anything else. I actually think this movie did great on a big screen. Um, Netflix, then their decision was to, after one week in theaters, pull it. They got their publicity, if they, if you will. Um, and at that point, when I looked it up, it was at a 98% approval rate for Rotten Tomatoes and all the moviegoers and everything else. Then they brought it back to Netflix TV only on December 23rd. I don't think they have any plans to bring it out digitally on discs. And even though they know they left potentially a billion dollars from theaters off the table, they really think that this is part of their long scheme to uh, build the Netflix empire. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. I will tell you on the big screen, it particularly because it's on an island. Um, it's an adventure. It was more impactful on the big screen. I was bummed that I missed it because I remember looking at it. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I can't go this Tuesday, but I will go Thursday. And it was not there Thursday. Yeah, so. literally, literally, they held true to their word in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so I was quite bummed that I missed it in the theaters. Uh, but I do recommend, if you do have a chance to see it, definitely watch it on Netflix. Or if you don't have Netflix, borrow it from a friend or go to their friend's house or whatever. <laughs> watch it. Just borrow their password. Netflix is trying to um, put a stop to that, but they can't. <laughs> there's one there's one last thing that I do want to say like uh about the director slash writer Ryan Johnson. Um I know being a big Star Wars fan, for me personally, I thought what he and Catherine Kennedy did with The Last Jedi was terrible. And I think it ruined Star Wars. Um <laughs> whatever you can agree with me or disagree with me anyone out there uh but i know like it's just not me but a lot of other star wars fans felt the same way because he didn't really follow uh star wars lore um and uh they were trying just to get rid of the skywalker line and all that stuff so i think with that i didn't really like what he did but i really did enjoy his work in both um, Knives Out and Glass Onion. So I just want to give him props for those two movies. So if you had a sour taste in your mouth about Ryan Johnson, about what he did with Star Wars, give him a give him a pass on that. Like, you can still be upset with him about that. But go <laughs> Keep like, your news handy. <laughs> but don't let that hinder you from going to see Knives Out or the sequel, Glass Onion, because I think he did a great job with the writing and with the directing on those two movies. Agreed. And he also did Looper, which is also a good movie. Looper is actually a great movie. It is. Which is weird because I think we'll see where it takes us in the future. I don't know that it's a Reservoir Dogs or a Pulp Fiction, but someday it could be a cult classic. Possibly. It's definitely not a Blade Runner, though. Dude, that's on its own level. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. Um, Unless you have anything else, uh, we'll uh, introduce uh, next week's uh, Scotch. All right. Next week's Scotch. Noah has selected for us the Grainstone Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey and the Madeira Cask Finish. All right, now next week's topic uh, is going to be your top three low-budget films. All right, and don't forget, this is double matured. We'll get more into that next week. But So yeah, I'm excited for this uh, top three. I mean, there's some like good movies out there in these like low-budget films. Um, they're, uh, just to kind of let you know, we're talking about anything that was kind of produced uh, less than uh, $10 million. Um, and then I guess if you kind of go back to like 1970s, we're probably talking about anything less than $3 million. So what about the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I'm not sure what it costs to make that one. I was just going back as far as like the 70s All right. um, with the inflation calculator. So so roughly $3 million for like something in like in the 70s to like $10 million like nowadays. Uh, so the, here you'll, you'll find stuff like Rocky or... 
the Evil Dead. Which I believe is going to be on both of our lists. Which one, Evil Dead or Rocky? Oh, hell yeah. Probably <laughs> both of them. <laughs> Let's face it. Those are two dynamite <laughs> movies. Nobody else would back these fools on and are now both, in their own sense, cult classics, still pulling in millions of dollars every year. Exactly. And then there's stuff like Al Mariachi, if you like the... If you like the uh, what was his name? Something Rodriguez yep. uh, movies. Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. Um, and then there's stuff like uh, Lost in Trans, uh, Lost in Translation with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. You know something interesting. Some of the ties between some of these movies also is these movies have a tendency to be NC seventeen. <laughs> Not Rocky. <laughs> Not Rocky. Uh, yeah, so th- another good one here, too, uh, that might fall in this category is Clerks. NC-17. I don't think Clerks was NC-17. I don't, re- <sighs> Dude, it was black if, and white. I mean, there's like no, there's like no <laughs> boobs. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if it wasn't NC-17. The guy died masturbating in the bathroom. I mean, like, I mean, sore. I don't think that's exactly what happened. I think she went to go to the bathroom and found out he died. <laughs> Wasn't well, he like looking at it like a yes, <laughs> like a Playboy? <laughs> I'm just telling you. Don't I suck can- any dicks on the way out to the parking lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Clerks. That's I'm gonna go movie. back to NC17. <laughs> I think a lot of these lower budget movies that ultimately made big waves. Um, were NC-17 like and NC-17 came around because at first it, they just called them rated X until the porn industry was like yeah X <laughs> we like this let's call our movies X and then they're like no we need something in between actual porn and rated R <laughs> <laughs> alright so there you go you got a little bit of a, uh, a taste for what might be coming up in our uh, next episode with uh, top three low budget films top three low budget films Grange, Stone Highland, Single Malt, Scotch Whiskey, double maturation, Madeira, cask finish. All right. With that, uh, thank you, everyone, who watches us on YouTube and on Rumble. Uh, for those of you who listen to us, uh, thank you for a very good end of our year. Uh, we we're seeing some great numbers. Uh, and then also thank you for all the new uh, new subscribers. We do greatly appreciate that. So if you haven't subscribed to us yet, please subscribe, like, and share our program. And... Uh, Thank you once again, everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, remember, life is great. Hopefully, you did get a chance to share your New Year with some friends, some family. I heard some great stories with some of the, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm going to call them friends, the people who share a lot with me at work. And some of them tried champagne for the first time this year, did not so much care for it. What? Uh, dude, that's what I said. But at the same time, I'm like, I explained to them, you need to do a flight. And then understand there are different grades. And once you know what you're actually tasting is no different than scotch. And then in the long run, man, even though you may not, it's, it, it may not be the McAllen edition number six, you may be drinking a scotch where you're like, I know what actually went into making this. And I can taste the heart from the, you know, from, from the makers of this scotch. So it can kind of improve that sort of life is great. Hopefully you got to share some of those great moments with friends, family, others, and, uh, continue to enjoy that life. Take some adventures. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly, <laughs> especially since new year's was two days ago. And <laughs> no, I forgot it's the second. <laughs> I still want to know what the hell party you into. God damn it. God damn it, Bernice. (laughs) All right. Until next week. Scotchman. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.